And now, Hangar 56 Media presents Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Here we are, Spike's Car Radio. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Uh, collectingcars.com and Mac Weldon, three of our favorite sponsors and uh, living legend, everybody's car guy, everybody's favorite car guy, favorite. Bruce Myers here. Yeah, Whee. we had you on the show a while back when we were on podcast one. Three years ago. And then uh, the fans right away said, uh, you got to get Bruce back. And, and I said, absolutely. And then I totally forgot. And, <laughs> and here we are a thousand <laughs> days later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we lost two years. Yeah. So it, could have been, and, it could have been a year ago. Yeah. And this happens all the time. I just forget about everybody who's been on the show. So we have been meaning to have you back on. And I can't remember. Oh, I got, a, I got an email from the Peterson Auto Museum that said uh, that tours were starting again, that the museum was opening up. They were doing private tours. And I said, uh, and I love the museum, and I, you know, support the museum. And I thought, uh, oh, Bruce Meyer, we should have Bruce Meyer back <laughs> on the show. <laughs> so, and now you're here. Well, and, and I appreciate, it, and I love talking about the Peterson. And 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 we'll get to that. I, I want to talk about the decades of Southern California car history that you know about, and your own personal history. Um, I called you up and and I said, "Hey, can you do the show? Johnny Lieberman's out of town. Matt Fair is not available. Jerry's in New York. <laughs> do you want to sit in?" And uh, where were you? You were on a rally, right? On a, it was Sunday we were chatting. Right, exactly. So um, three years ago, the Porsche 356 registry. Put that mic right up to your mouth there. I did their annual event in mm-hmm. Bend, in Bend, Oregon, and so I actually. Rounded up 26 of my 356 loving pals, and we had planned this whole rally. This was like last year. And then, of course, it was canceled along with everything else. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, I just kind of, this year, it, it came back around in a much abbreviated way. So we got six guys. We decided, well, we're going to drive up to Bend. Have you ever been to Bend? Have you ever been to Oregon? No, no. Well, well Me Portland, neither. yeah. Yeah, I go up there to riot every once in a while. Yeah, I go. play both sides too. That's it's right. just you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's whoever's got the most heat that week. That's right. <laughs> well, it was spectacular. So, so the group of us decided we really didn't want to subject our wives to driving up Central California all, all the way because our first right, stop right, was in uh, Eureka or Ukiah. It's one of those two, and. Uh, so we decided to fly to Santa Rosa, which was a, a big first step, you know. We flew to Santa Rosa. We had our car shipped there. There were seven of us. And then we went to uh, visit a friend of ours, Mark Montanos, and he collects interesting cars. And then we went to a collection, oh, John McCaw. Do you know the McCaw? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. sure. So sure. John McCaw keeps his things in Medford. It's probably a secret I'm letting out, but... He has he has uh, Ginger Rogers Ranch there that is just crazy. Really, he has barns full of really. Cool We've stuff. heard about this place. Don't you remember I think. our friend Moise w- ended up going up there, and he said every time he turned around, there was like a little choo choo with uh, booze. There was like some sort no, of no. There barn. were cat. I don't know that it they- was Moise. I thought it was someone else who was telling us they had old Cadillacs for everybody to use on the estate, and these priceless race cars and. That's closer. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's closer than the choo-choo of booze. Closer than the choo-choo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds, it sounded amazing. Well, you know, the McCaw brothers. Right. Bruce, Craig, and John. I mean, you know, 
their collections combined. What do they have there? Can you say a few of the things that you saw there? Well, of course, you know, every, all of them have GTOs. You know how that works. And you know how that works? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know how that works, Bruce. I don't fucking know how that works. So how many GTOs? Three one twins. for each brother? or well, they ha- Yeah, they, uh, one for each bro. Wow. And, 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 what do they, and what do they look like? Are they just red well, GTOs? Didn't Jerry one drive the- one, the red one? I don't know. And I know that at one time Petrolicious did. Well, one I want to hear That's I want right. to hear what he saw. What did That's he see? That's right. Petrolicious, exactly right. One of their early ones with was with um, John McCaw's Series 2. Right, right. And that's what he has up there. I don't want to run down all the cars he has because that's probably Well, let's just talk about those GTOs. <laughs> There's that one and what other one? Well, Craig has the green one that was, uh, oh, God, all of a sudden I'm so old I forget the guy's name. And had all the green Ferraris. I don't wow. Know, you know, kind of leaf green. Really? Oh, gosh. I God, that's an amazing right color car yeah. for a GTO. I don't know that I've ever seen that. Yeah, it's the let's only one. if I one. can pull it up. And and um, green Ferrari GTO. Yeah, and okay. it'll I know up. how to Google. Thank you. And then, and then <laughs> what's the third? Wait, how do you spell you know green, Bruce? M O N E Y. M O N E Y. What's the third one? Oh well, man, yeah, this car. Oh yeah, I have seen it. Here, look at this sucker, man. Look at this car. Whoa! Holy fuck! That's it, right? That is it. Wow! Does it say who? Well, anyways, that's that's Craig's. Sterling Moss. Sterling Made Moss for Grove. Sterling Moss. I mean, it's serious. I, I, anyways, so, so. And then is this a separate GTO? That's a different GTO. Wow. You're part of the GTO club, right? You know all these guys. Do you know, I was saying to a friend of mine who um, bought an F1, McLaren F1. I said, there are three clubs that I'm aware of. One, and, and I'm. A member of none of them, really. You know, I guess kind of one. But you are world's poorest billionaire. You know what? I just have, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's, it's good. It's like having airplanes. It's good to have a friend. Yeah. <laughs> world's poorest billionaire <laughs> in that group, in maybe. That what was that? I missed it. You are world's poorest billionaire. <laughs> I thought <laughs> in that I, group. Yes, you're the piker. <laughs> oh, you're such a loser, Bruce. You guys. And I swear, Bruce, <laughs> you are the one who made that joke when we, you and I were talking in last night. I can tell I'm a little slow. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but but um, so but tell me about clubs. Three, well, these three clubs. There's, yeah. there's F1, McLaren F1, yeah. so, okay, HC Alpha, okay, and GTO. Wow. Okay. I mean, if you, you know, those Now, are, when you say clubs, do they actually meet? Oh, they have rallies. And only F1s, only GTOs, and only HC Alphas. Wow, wow. And anybody else is not welcome. Ah. And, and, and all those cars are, you know, like mega cars. And, and uh, some, some guys, I would say half the guys are members of all three clubs, you know? Really? Yeah. And I won't mention, and, 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 uh, what do we got going what on? What do we got going on? <laughs> a lawnmower? No, the, a putt-putt just pulled up with our lunch. Yes. I, I have no idea what I'm looking at here. It's probably the guy who stole our 87. So no, if you have all three, it's like winning the Oscar, the it's, Tony, and it's, the Emmy. It's, it's a like, trifecta of greatness. Tri- that was a beautiful blonde. Only in Los Angeles would you see this. It's a beautiful blonde girl. She coming in here? Well, get her in here. Come on, first. Okay, no, she finally truck. stopped on what sounds like a two-stroke mini bike. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's some important news she's about to run in with. It's uh, really anyway. funny. So do you think that there's that half the guys are members of all three? Correct. And then do you think there's guys that have got two of the three? There's probably some that have two of the three. And other, I, I think uh, almost, yeah, and then there might be a few of them that just have one. Wow. Do you think, okay, if you were going to be in one, what's the biggest bragging rights? The GTO? I think the GTO probably. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, that's just everybody knows the GTO. Yeah. And, and the F1, you know, they're, they're just different clubs. But they do exclusive rallies or events. Like they're, they're planning now that in the next GTO, they do it every five years with a GTO. So that's every fifth year anniversary. And next year they're doing one back east in the U.S. But they're normally in Europe, and also Ferrari gets involved with all these. And they're pretty spectacular. I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, Chip Connor has a GTO, and for a long time his wife didn't care to go on all these rallies. She was home, lucky him, you know, being a, a, a mother and a responsible mother. And so Chip would invite me. I mean, I had the thing going for a while you know? right <laughs> then she decided she went on when holy cow these people are eating well and it's a great group, right. so I yeah was yeah asked. it's fun i was not invited back oh, did you do some of the driving when you were in that seat in yeah 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 wow it's special and what did you think i, I mean it's an amazing car it, it really is an amazing car i i have you know the the, the, the short wheelbase which mm-hmm. came before the gto but i'll tell you that gto has got the power and there's great visibility and I mean, there's a reason it did well. Yeah and, yeah, and it's very limited, you know. So, wow, only a few lucky guys were in that. Club. Yeah, no kidding. In that club now, would, would you'd have to have fifty million to get into that club. I a little more. Probably, yeah, probably more. I more, would say, man. you know, the, you wouldn't buy the one for fifty. It's, you know, it's, right. The guys buying those things yeah. want the best of the best. Well, so is that now 60? The, is that 70? No, we're in the hundreds. You know, don't you talk to Donald Osborne, that number's 110 uh, right now. I don't know. Well, you know, the, the, what's interesting is that the, the, the owners of those cars are, are financially strong. I mean, I don't think any number would buy Chip Connors. That would probably be the last car to ever sell. And I know some of the other guys that have them. And, and I think... If there was a market price for a really good one, it would probably be 70 to 80. But there's only been one of those sold in the mm-hmm. last few years. And, and if somebody wanted one now, it might be they might want a little more, you know. Who knows? Right. right. Because if something's not for sale, if it's, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost It's a good you. story, Zuckerman, to get like a, a Rodney Dangerfield buying the world's cheapest GTO and trying to go to right. these meets. <laughs> right. Hey, I got a GTO I, too. Hey, right. who's the new guy? We could, right. yeah. it, is, it, is, it is clubby, and, and, and most of them have, are, are long-time owners. So, you know, I was offered a GTO in 1970, mm-hmm. $8,600. I've got the ad. I keep oh. it there just to annoy myself. $8,600 for sale right in Beverly Hills, and it's the, it's the GTO that's owned by Tom Price now. Ah. And, I mean, you know, what did I know? I, I, I had a four cam at the time which i just bought and i paid over ten thousand dollars for that the gto didn't have shiny wheels and i was definitely into my chrome wheel period right roll up windows it was nice and i was driving my four cam daily and i looked at that gto and i thought you know kind of smelled and it was a race car and i thought nah i think i'll pass 51 years of misery that's 51 years <laughs> since that. <laughs> That's Jesus the one Christ. that got away. You know yeah. what? It, 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 I, it, I don't really angst over it, but I just think, you know, if, I, if I'd have been Alan Decadne or, 
or Miles Collier or some guys that really had a real depth of knowledge. I, I've never considered myself like so knowledgeable. You know, I've just kind of bought what I've liked and I've never let too much knowledge get in my way. You know, if it's something right. pretty, I'll buy it. And so for me, that GTO just looked like kind of a less attractive forecam. And, yeah. and so I just, you know, what the heck? So I just laugh about it now. I mean, I don't... I- I, you know, uh, when I first moved to L.A. and I started working on Seinfeld and started making money and I just lived in this little house in Hollywood and I just started, ma- I started making a lot of money for me. And Jerry at one point said, what are you going to do with it? I, go, I, I think I might buy this Ferrari GTO, but they're, they're really expensive. At that point, they were 450000 which was completely unheard of for a car, right? And I just thought, well, yeah, what if they go down? What if they could? He talked you out of the loose, so too, right? He didn't talk me out of it. No, no, no. He didn't say that. But in my own head, it was such an astronomical price for an automobile. It was the height of a ridiculous notion. Well, they did. Boy, do I regret that. They did go. You remember in the late 80s? They went as high as like 800. And then they, I don't know if they went down from there. In the late 80s, I I was offered a million 250 for my. Four cam and my house might have had a value of five or five hundred thousand. <laughs> wow! And I turned it down, but that was in the late eighties. Wow. And the guy was—it was a fellow from Japan, and he wanted a GTO. So, so a friend of mine, um, George Dyer, had a GTO, and I called George Dyer, and and I and the fellow said he was would pay up to fifteen million for a GTO. So I called George, thinking. You know, by the way, I have brokered so many cars. I've never taken a penny proudly ever from anybody. So I called George and I said, George, there's a fellow in my garage that wants a GTO and he has a budget of $15 million. And George had been asking a little less than that. But George, whatever the market was, George always like made it a little higher. So he said, well, <laughs> Bruce, it would take 17 to buy it today. And, and so the guy in my garage just said, no, 15 is my limit. And that was it. Now, that is the same GTO that Brandon Wang has now. Brandon Wang bought that car for around $4 million. So it went, the, the prices of, I mean, so in, in the late 80s, you know, they were getting premiums for, you know, the 88 and 89 and 90 Testa mm-hmm. and, and it dropped down. So people say, oh, you can't pay too much. You can just take, pay too early. No, because you can't. I mean, it, it, now, it did catch up eventually. but Right, right. But, I mean, so you can, I think if people go into this with the idea that I'm going to make it, Bunch of dough, you know. I think that's the wrong way to go. It's fun. Somebody will call me up and say, "Should I get a nine nine seven with seventy thousand miles, or should I get a nine nine three with a hundred thousand miles? Which one's a better investment?" No, brother. Those are used cars. Those are not investments. Yeah. Buy them, enjoy them, and and like you, I've never bought anything in the hopes that I'd make a dollar. I Paul, just... your your stuff is so tasteful. I mean, you have you have exquisite. I mean, you don't look like you have good taste. No, I don't. I mean, not I mean, at all. I look, you're, you're, not, like, you're not for television yet. <laughs> right. It's I'm true. No, this is good. Let's, uh, this is good. Let's I'm just kidding. But I mean, you're, you, what you have bought, I kind of think like myself. You know, if it's if it's just knocks you out, you buy it. Right. And that's what you bought. Knockout stuff. If you guys are in the market to buy a car, you want to go to collectingcars.com. The huge U.S. auction sale of a 918 Spider. Uh, which recently sold for $1.5 million. Collectingcars.com has auctions uh, that blast around the world. Do you know these guys at Collecting Cars? I don't know. They're an online auction site. 
and they have a global audience and they sell lots of primo stuff you know so when people are just the one from the uk that's moving from the uk they're here in la they're all over the place australia they're they're taking over the world poland's next zuckerman (laughs) they're going after poland um they, this was their first $1 million plus auction sale uh, since launching uh, in the U.S. on June. And on the same night as the 918 Spider sale, collecting cards also sold a Rosso Corsa Ferrari 488 GTB Volcano Red McLaren 12C and a Willow Green Porsche GT3 RS with a Shark Works, hello Shark Works 4.1 exhaust. Um, check them out though. You know, you're at your desk right now. You're not doing anything. Go to collectingcars.com. Sign up for their daily email. You'll see the cars. Um, you don't have to bother Bruce, me, or Zuckerman. You just go there. They've got tons of stuff. 50,000 plus users, bidders in 90 countries. 90. That's how you make money. List your car and collecting cars for free and sell to a global audience. Why sell your car anywhere else? No ordinary auction, no ordinary cars. And I believe. You can list for free, right? You can so list you your car sell. for free. There you go. How'd you read that well? You're good. Very I'm uh, I'm sleepy. Thank you. I'm sleepy. I've been working help? for four hours on a Zoom. Bruce, you know what I wanted to ask you about because you're you're one of these unique guys, you know, and it's 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 hard to think about it too. Like Zuckerman and I have been part of the Southern California car scene for twenty years already, right? You're and you've 60, been here for seventy. You've got such a rich history, you know, from the Peterson Auto Museum and everything else. Like one of the something I didn't ask you the last time was like what what's been your favorite kind of decade of Southern California car, uh, just uh, hobbyism, I guess, if it's the right word. You know, when I when I think about our times here, I think about our drives on the PCH and going to Bills, and it's a it's a moment in time. And then I had the kind of Hollywood phase and driving to work and cool stuff. But you were really there for the birth of a lot of this stuff. Like, what what do you what do you think? So back you know, of? I grew up in the '40s here, so I mean, it was hot rods for me. That was like the dream car. That's the picture I had up on my wall, so to speak. And it's gone through phases. You know, I went through Hot Rod, and then I decided, I, you know, classic cars. I really like classic cars. So I've gone through different phases just as my own life progressed. I think, and they've all been exciting. I think when Steve Earle started the Historics back in the 70s, th- those were amazing times. And that's when Chris Cord and Steve Earle and all those guys would drive their GTOs from L.A. up to Monterey and then race wow. them and drive them home. So. You know, for me, that was a real wow. turning point when I just that they did that in in uh, like in kind of uh, along with the Pebble Beach Concourse. I'd never been to the Pebble Beach Concourse, so that kind of opened up that whole spectrum. But I've just been really fortunate. I mean, L.A. is the epicenter. It just is. I, I've been to. I mean, you guys are global. I mean, you've been around. There's no place like L.A. Yeah, yeah. And I think the Peterson has contributed to that. Um, but I think it's just in it's in people's DNA here. They Were you know. part of that Mulholland racing scene? No, but that you know, <laughs> there's several. Mulholland Why not racing though? Scenes. You know, well, some be- guy did a video, you know, with a GTO. Did you see that thing? No. It's super eight movie. If if you you know how to Google, right? I can Google. <laughs> tell, me, tell me what to put in. G. <laughs> if you go G G. <laughs> well, what it is this this fellow. Um, Made Super 8 movies, the long Mulholland and going out to... to oh, right. I saw it, some of this It's been a while. It's probably been a year or so since yeah, it was on. But yeah. I just happened to see it recently. And and and, um, and that's when GTOs were, you know, 
under 10 grand, so to speak. You know, and I remember Chris Cord Chris and Steve Rowe, they, they bought, well, you know, the, the, that Penske Sunoco 512? Right. Chris Cord bought that brand new, you know, wow. right from Ferrari. I, I, about, it's been 20 years now, but I got a call from a Beverly Hills policeman that said, Bruce, there's a lady with a Ferrari in her garage and her husband died like 11 years ago and she wants to sell and will you go look at it? I said, you know, I, I'm not a dealer and I don't really know the value of all these things. He said, well, I've already made a big deal that you'd come look at it. So I went over there. So, and I mean, I could walk. This is less than a mile from my house. And this lady opens her garage. She had a motorhome parked in front of the garage. She moved the motorhome, opened up, and, and covered up in her garage was a 275 GTB, <laughs> two cam, original paint yellow, Outside gas cap, long nose, six carburetor. I mean, that's like the ultimate spec. And her name was Michelle Enraget, and her husband was an Austrian Olympic ski, uh, uh, you know, team member. And she bought that car from from Chris Cord in 1966. He did. Chris Cord and his wife Katrina did their honeymoon in that car. <laughs> now, and it's now owned by Bill Harlan up in up in the wine country. I helped that happen. And that's a whole other story, but there are cars around here. But Chris Cord, Chris Cord's father passed away when he was like an infant, and his mother Annalie married Bill Doheny. Uh-huh. Bill Doheny was kind of really dialed in. He was a friend of Ernie McAfee's up on Sunset. So mm-hmm. the, Do- the Doheny family is really my my four cam I bought from Bill Doheny, you know, nineteen seventy. So so there were guys like Chris Cord, Steve Earle's family had oil money. When Steve was in high school, he he bought a 300 SL, brand new wow. from the factory. Pick it up, picked it up at the factory. I mean, <clears> there were guys geez. here. Dino Martin had a P4, a yellow P4. I mean, I'd seen that on several occasions. I mean, it, this this town just had the stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it was way over my head. I didn't. And the, and I remember, I think it was Steve bought a brand new LM, and then this last. Have you ever heard of the Brothers Collection in Salem, Oregon? No. No. I don't think very many people have. It, it is epic, okay? They, they own over 1,000 cars, and they've got a museum with about 300. But one of the, and they've got great stuff, but one of them is a GT40, a street-spec GT40. And I was reading the, the, the lineage on this car, and it was owned by Steve Earle. And I remember when Steve Earle had that car, and he had it up at Tahoe, and Dick Messer, who was a, a longtime friend of Steve Earle's, they just used to run around town. So they had all, there were guys here that just had the money, had the taste and the knowledge and just ran around in really cool stuff. What I, were you driving when you were a kid? Um, well, my first car was a hand-me-down from my great aunt. It was a 50 Plymouth. So that, <laughs> that kind of tells you. And I shared it with my sister. So. <coughs> oh, there you so, go. So, um, you know, my, my, my cars, my early cars were not extraordinary. But right. I, 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 my, my parents had no time for cars. First of all, we didn't really have any money. And... Their parents couldn't even afford cars. So the idea of wasting your time on a car, there couldn't be a bigger waste of time. Right, You could right. be working. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm, I make my family crazy. I actually like work more than play. It's just the way yeah. I am. I, I just don't do well just sitting on a beach somewhere. So, mm-hmm. so I, I had the best paper corner in L.A. And, and, you, and you would know the corner. It's right in front of Pizza Mocha. Highland Avenue, heading north, and I had the evening news, so I was there from like three thirty or four till six, 
and I was I was hauling it in. I I mean I don't remember what I was making, but I'm guessing I probably made two or three dollars a night when when buddies of mine were getting fifty cents a week allowance. Yeah, right. So that's when I then I bought a. A doodle. My parents hated this stuff, so I bought a Doodlebug and then a Wizard and a BSA, and I hid them in friends' garages. You know, I was like 13 years old, running around like a little hoodie. <laughs> I did that too. I yeah. had a secret motorcycle. That's what you do when you're 13. Yeah. So you buy these motorcycles with your paperboy money, <laughs> with your dimes. And then, what did your friends tell their parents when they came across this thing? None of them. None of none of my friends were even. Like, even understood or were interested, you know. <laughs> right. I just need a corner of your garage. For yeah, yeah, you know? I see. And so, no, it, it and I mean, I, I dated my wife on motorcycles. My parents didn't even know I owned a motorcycle. Did you need a motorcycle license when you were 13 back no. in the day? No. <laughs> you needed a driver's license, so I did have a problem there one time. Yeah, yeah. But you were still doing it. Absolutely. <laughs> Just mean, motorcycles were, were absolutely, I thought. They're probably I, like electric scooters right now because uh, all the 13-year-olds are on those right now. Yeah. They're supposed to have their licenses, but they don't. Well, there was a thing called a doodlebug. During the war years, people were making. I don't know what a doodlebug is. On Should no, I Google you know, that? No gas. You'd get a, you'd get, it was a, basically a Briggs and Stratton lawnmower engine. <laughs> that was my very first motorized scooter. Wow. And, and, and it had absolutely no brakes. So I almost killed myself on that. So that's when I switched to a whizzer, kind of a, a bits of whizzer. I bought the frame and then the gas tank and then kind of right. rolled, it, rolled into it. So it's like the taco mini bikes. Yeah, I'm looking at these It looks guys. like it could fit yeah. in your trunk. Yeah, yeah, these little guys. Dangerous. Wow. Yeah, super dangerous. That's what you were driving around on. I, I seriously <laughs> had that thing for maybe a month, and I really thought I was going to hurt myself. So I <clears> yeah. had the good sense to sell it and, and go to a motor, motorbike <laughs> Something then i breaks. wanted to go from a, a wizard to a mustang right which was like a you know the mustang was like the hell's angel bike for the teenagers right <clears throat> i i didn't do that by the way how's your buddy with all the hell's angel stuff oh bo bushnell at the outlaw archive it's fantastic Is it, does he get like death threats are there guys that There's are not? lately the death threats have ebbed he's it, there seems to be some sort of a detente between him and the, the clubs that aren't happy with him having all of that stuff. So things are cool right now, and there's actually um, a lot of interest uh, in what we're doing down there. He's, it's he's it's a, always fascinated me, and as long as you weren't, like, wearing the colors where you right. inappropriately. In other words, he's, yeah. for him, it's artwork right. and history. I think it's very cool. Well, it's you know you were there too in the in Absolutely. the in the '60s for the explosion of all of that biker culture and all of the movies that they were making. Like Roger Corman was making those movies back in the '60s, like the Hell's Angels movies and whatnot. You know yeah. what he 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 wants this for the museum. That's where he's going with this. Uh, this well, is, he's teased too. <laughs> he's teasing this be a up. Great exhibit. I would it really love would because because I, I mean I I went to Chocolate George's funeral. Oh, up no in way. San Francisco. Chocolate George was a very well known member of the Frisco Hell's Angels, and when he died, there's a poster that shows the procession going through San Francisco. You, it was it's like as if the Pope died, and I think that Janis Joplin and a bunch of well, they were playing on the back of a steak bed truck. Okay, the, so that how do you? know a lot about it. okay so i'm up there why the did you go bruce okay but for okay so in the 60s <laughs> were you, you know, in the hell's angels oh God. you're there selling no, newspapers and why with, are you going to a hell's angels of mine victor romero and we and and for some reason we were just up in san francisco and it was at a time where you you know you might right you, know, you might just enjoy the, the, the a little marijuana a little whatever, mary jane you know? a little and, reefer and so reefer madness 
So, so somebody said there's a free concert in, in, in Golden Gate, Gate Park, yeah. And, and it was in the afternoon. So my friend and I thought, why not? You know, so we, it, I think they said it started like at 1 or 2 or 3 something. So we got there early, like really early. And they, and they had like a, what was going to be a little bandstand. And so we were square in front of it. And then um, people started filling in. And it turned out, you know, I, I, I talked to somebody that was there, and I said, like, what's going on? Well, this is a funeral. This is a celebration of life for Chocolate George. And I'm going, like, who? Well, he was a famous Hells Angel. I'm like, whoa, you know, maybe we shouldn't be here, you know. So we stepped, you know, moved a little further back from the stage. We ended up being quite a bit back further from the stage. But all of a sudden, this parade of bikes, and also what was interesting to me is there were, like, luxury cars that would pull up the guy would open the trunk, pull out his colors. I mean, these, you know, you didn't know who was, you know, some of the Hells Angels looked like you and me, you know. Right. And, really? And, oh, my In God. In the 60s, it was, yeah. It wow. was unbelievable. And and Janis Joplin and the Holding Company, or Big Brother and the Holding yeah. whatever, they played, and, I mean, it was epic. I've never forgotten it. You know, that's, that's such a... You should go on camera about that. Your Chocolate George, he was called Chocolate George because he drank chocolate milk. I mean, you know, it's not the scariest thing to hear that this your terrifying <laughs> like Howard Hell, Hughes. Hell's Angel was it was an aficionado of chocolate milk. Um, you know, we really do need to talk about a display down at the Peterson. And one thing that you might know, and I hope you would know or someone there, Really, how do we display this stuff so that it has maximum impact? How do you display maybe a set of colors or little photos or little letters that really can immerse people into what that time was like for these people? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, 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 um, it's something that has to be, like, thought out. Because, right. first of all, we don't, it's not like we want to endorse misbehavior. Right. And, and, uh, and we don't... When, we, we like attracting a diverse crowd for sure, but we don't want to offend anybody and we don't want to have, because there was already a, a, you know, a shooting at, at the Peterson. Right. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And so that would be Biggie Smalls, if I'm not that mistaken. That would be Biggie Small. So, I mean, I, you know, it's a <laughs> fine line. I just happen to be one that, I, I, you know, well, it's the, the, he, the, it's the, it's the vehicles. I think you would start with the vehicles. They've got the choppers and the first choppers. And I think that would be your way in from there and then as you say I think you're right I think it's a better I, I think that's really a good approach back I think I think the better deal and I know you've got some choppers right. but I think a, a display of choppers is is something that would very well fit into what yeah. we do because we have I don't know if you've followed any we have a, a Richard Varner who's who owns Moto America has it has a uh, a, a motorcycle gallery there and to do one with choppers would be I, I think you're 100. Yeah, yeah, and then because you can the go... chopper was really invented here in West LA, right. and, and in Mar Vista in Venice. These... Are you a kind of a chopper authority? I no, but I would not say that at all. But I do know enough to know he's a chop salad authority. He's a chop salad, most of my salad fares. <laughs> I, I do happen to know that that the notion in the 50s of taking a perfectly good Harley Davidson full bagger like you would get them from the dealership and start tossing shit away and cutting down fenders and raking things or getting an FLA front end and putting it on. These guys were at the forefront of a, of a style uh, and a movement. Because, you know, you're, it would be great if you were interested and felt like it was something you'd like to do that you could become 
you know, like somebody that we would go to and would organize this. I mean, because you own some. We need, we need an authority like yourself that would come and, 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 and curate the show. because it's, You know, that's great. There's a guy we call Bill the Fish who was a member of a, a club called the Galloping Goose. Oh, I remember the Galloping Goose. It's chosen few, Galloping yeah. Goose, Hessians, you know. Right, and he they, he went in in the in the very early 60s. So he was he he had you know hitched a ride out from Florida and next thing was you know, hanging out at some sort of hot dog stand with bikers and got a bike and he was there in the early 60s and he can tell you how they made these things and and what they were doing back then to, to we, get we the need look. We talk about that. But before we do that, fall is here, gentlemen, and we could all use a stiff breeze. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Do you like Do you like Blue Chew? Have you ever had Blue Chew? Is that like a chew? Like yeah, kind of. Chew? Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's about it. It's in a, it's <laughs> Do tell him I'm playing with him. Okay, play why with are you me? telling him that? It's Guys, a... confidence can take you far in life. It can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Now do you get what Blue Chew is? Blue Chew is a unique online service, Bruce, that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. Have I interested you yet? Honey, what are you chewing? Are you chewing gum during dinner? <laughs> Bruce? Been married Hello, Bruce? 51 years. <laughs> if you're wondering how, what the process is like to sign up, it's simple. You just go to bluechew.com. You consult with one of their licensed medical providers who are very beautiful, by the way. It's like buying uh, lingerie. It, it, there's always a lovely lady when you go there. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's done online, so no doctor's visits, no awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. Look at Bruce staring at me like he's thinking, do I want this? Can or I get a franchise? Do I need to be, could I roll this into Gary somehow where you get <laughs> where you get a Rolex and you get Blue Chew? Uh, Blue Chew tablets are made in the U.S. and prepared and shipped right to your door. Visit uh, bluechew.com and here's what you're going to get. All right, here's, here's what you get just for listening to all that. You can apply, uh, try Blue Chew for free. Uh, what you do is you order it, you go in, you put in the promo code SPIKE911, my name, my favorite car, and uh, it is absolutely free. You're going to try for it. I think you might have to just pay for shipping. It's just a couple bucks. Go to bluechew.com, promo code SPIKE911, receive your first month free. Look at that. What do you think, Bruce? Are you in? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Do you, have Blue to, chew. do you have to swallow when you chew? I think it's the chewable pill. Yeah, I have it at home. I've, I've, I got my delivery of Blue Chew, but I'm afraid to try it. <laughs> I haven't we tried were all it yet. Try it at the podcast. We're, we're gonna all going to chew it. some and see what happens. But part of the rules of Blue Chew, you can't give it to anybody. Everybody has to order, so we're not quite sure yet. But we, we, uh, we have a long history with Blue Chew in that we did one ad and then they canceled us because of Zuckerman's comments of his jokes and Always and and, and, and after a year. We've wooed them back. We're I happy gave them to have free them back ads for a year. I'm begging them to come back. I seduce them back with my constant pushing of their product. And we ask our listeners, and they did last week. They went nuts. I went. To the, they were all over the Blue Chew Instagram site, going, "I'm only here for Spike and Zuckerman." They definitely got their money's worth, Blue Chew, and. Uh, We'll have to think what we're gonna what we're gonna we do with this. Will not ad. say the things we used to say. Look, they, they sponsored two shows in a row. <laughs> I will on. not talk about snorting it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Through my Zuckerman, please. Hose. 
I have a bunch of questions for you, Bruce. Why yeah. don't we start there uh, for this uh, next and last act of this show? Um, and uh, let me see if anybody's asked some interesting questions. Lots of folks who... Is this live? No. Okay. It feels live, though, right? Yeah, it does. Very, I'm hosting it like live. a live show, so I, I don't... I don't know if people were calling in or... or no, I, I put a little thing on Instagram if I think about it on the way as I, as I drive up. Um, uh, mechanical Vices would like to know uh, your thoughts on building a collection and how you've approached it over the years. Yeah. Well, it's very simple. You, you start with what you like, and, and, and for me, it has to be an, an has to be attractive you know i i you know i started collecting vintage hot rods and people would send me pictures of just awful ugly things you know that just didn't work i mean i don't care how famous it is it's got to be good looking so for me that's it has to be something that appeals to my aesthetic so i would say my it has to appeal to my aesthetic and then it, it generally has to be something that I can drive. I mean, I've been offered some extraordinary race cars, which you can, all you can do is just look at them. But I do the driving experience is important, hugely important. Right, right, right. So you know, you know, you know the, we've been talking a lot lately because uh, our friend from New York has been trying to to figure out if he should buy a Morgan or not, and he's been doing it for thirty one years. And a lot of people just he's say been thinking about it for thirty one. Yeah. yeah, he's been thinking oh, but God. but lately another car was offered him and he bought a new one. He didn't know if he should buy the old one. But the question came up with collectors and you know, we were talking to Leno about this too. You know, some people feel like, oh you have the money, what's the point? Just grab it, right? But it's not that simple. Like there needs to be curation for a lot of us and well, otherwise just, your collection gets Well when you use the word collection that that to me, you know, like then you should have a theme of some kind. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think of myself as a collector. I really don't. I have bought my cars over fifty years, and I've never thought, well, I'm going to put a collection of Ferraris or Porsches or race cars or hot rods. I just I bought them one at a time. If something finds me or I find it and I really really like it, I buy it. It doesn't have to fit in any niche or anything. I just so I think I think not a collect. That's an interesting concept. Bruce is saying he's not a collector. He doesn't have a collection. He's an enthusiast of particular individual cars. Uh, and a driver. And a driver. Yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I like that Well, philosophy. I just don't... I think of myself as an enthusiast, not a collector. And 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 so this this the, the gentleman that asked the question, I, I mean, if, if like... The, the, I've got a friend of mine... You know, Morgans are like an acquired taste. And, and they're, they're like in your DNA, like some people with Porsches. That guy should have bought that Morgan. Just buy it. Yeah. I always yeah. say you're better off buying it, and then if you don't like it, then disposing of it, rather than just having that lingering thing like, I always wanted a Morgan, and all of a sudden you get to be my age, and then it's too damn late. You yeah, that's a good point. If you have, you can, you, can, you can sample it. It's okay to sample it and then get rid of it. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's kind of we should tell our friend that before he can't get in and out of it. Just get the damn thing and 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 see if he likes it. He's got one. I used to use eighty as like the benchmark. You know, a a friend of mine would say, you know, I've been wanting to buy. I said, just just you know, wait till you're eighty, then you can really afford it. (laughs) Now now I'm eighty, and I'm thinking, shit, you know, that's not good. Um, Here's a very common question. I'm sure you get all the time, so you can just answer it for today. But uh, Peter Pattis in uh, Switzerland is asking. Um, which Italian car is your favorite? Hmm. Just just pick one and tell us why. Well, 
Um, it would have to be a Ferrari. Um, for the most part, they're simply beautiful. And I bought my Ferrari in 1970. I, I actually was driving a Porsche. And about a few blocks from here on, on Robertson, or was it Robertson? On, on, on Doheny and Wilshire was SD Zipper. It was a big Porsche. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I drove in with my little Porsche, and here was this yellow four cam sitting there. And I'd never, I still don't consider myself a Ferrari guy, but I just fell in love with that four cam. To me, it would be like seeing that, you know, the Countach or the mm. Yellowbird or something on the wall, whatever, whatever that right. dream car was for you. And I'd never seen one. I didn't even, I didn't have a picture on the wall because I'd never even seen one before. So, so I bought that, and that was, and I've still owned it. You know, fifty years of, of that car. And so I would just say I, I, I think the Ferrari is, is a well-managed brand. I think there's a, a good reason maybe to buy an early, early Lamborghini because I think early on the Mirror or the, or the, uh, or the Countach, I mean, if, if I were But you have to way, pick one, well, Peter um, says. I would say Ferrari. But what model Ferrari? Ah, if I, had to, if I could have one Ferrari, it would be a short wheelbase Berlinetta. There you go. I think that car kind of does it all. It, 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 and you have one of those. You have the one. I have the one. <laughs> yeah, my I, favorite car in the I world. We car. talk it about it a lot. My 60th birthday present. My, 60 oh, was really? Big, 60 was a big turning point for me <clears> because I'd always been, you know, pretty conservative spender. And, and, and at 60, I, I bought a Rolex watch that I'd wanted. And I bought that short wheelbase. I just no kidding. I'm gonna. This is for me. You know. I, I uh, you know. I just anyway. So you I, ever take I, that I, short that's really cool. I indulged myself. Do you ever just stop at Highland and Melrose in that short wheelbase and park there and see yourself hustling newspapers? That's Paul, something you should do. That is definitely something I should. Do. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I grew up, you know, a couple blocks from there, so I just right. walked to. But you know, I have like pinched myself sometimes like how did my son came and saw the cars and and i've been lucky here and there and he said how did you ever end up here and and i really didn't have an answer for him but i do remember i so vividly remember the truck coming by and throwing that bundle of papers out onto the island you know that little Mm -hmm. grassy island right and um I, i i i enjoyed that job it was never work for me what was work for me one time, I, I set bowling pins at the Pan, Pan Pacific used to have a bowling alley. And that was work. Oogie grinder. Oogie grinding was work. <laughs> have you ever? Yeah. Everything else is play, but that was work. The towel boy at the brothel was really my least favorite job. <laughs> what? When they threw what happens is that I was never a paper boy. I always wanted to be one. I was a bag boy. I wasn't a paper boy. When they throw the newspapers out, what happens when you don't sell enough of them and they're leftover papers? Did you just? Well, um, you, I would just sell them until they were gone. And you they would. Just knew okay. Kind of the amount. So that's how being it worked. Being a paper boy is different, though. Because being a paper boy, you're, you're, you're delivering your bicycle around yeah, yeah. at night. Right, then, right. The worst part, and the reason my. So what did you call yourself if you weren't a paper boy? Well, I, I, I had a paper corner. <laughs> but I didn't have to collect. See, paper Corner boys, boys. Have to collect. Yes, they've got to go to everybody's house and collect once you know, a the, week or whatever. Yeah, in that little envelope. And so my parents were never happy about that. They weren't happy with me kind of walking into the traffic, but it was a two-lane deal. 
and there was an island there, and it was a signal. So I, yeah. I, I didn't think cars anything. never jump curbs. Zuckerman no. can tell you yeah, firsthand. <laughs> Particularly back then in the forties. Particularly back then, right? <laughs> right. Asbestos brakes. <laughs> nope, it never happens. I, I got to squeeze one more ad in. We'll take a couple sure. more questions. How about? All right, you're a busy guy, Bruce. Right. Why are you thinking about what to wear? Why don't you just embrace the radically efficient Mack Weldon Daily Wear System? This will go with your blue chew, Bruce. The Daily Wear System is a selection of clothes rooted in smart design made with performance fabrics and built to work together. From breathable t-shirts and polos to stylish button-ups and shorts, underwear and beyond, Mack Weldon makes it easy for you to dress for work, leisure, and play or wherever your summer takes you. You know, during the pandemic, all I wore was Mack Weldon, and I'm still wearing it. They have those pants that you can work out in, you can do zooms in, and then uh, you can go to sleep in. <laughs> it's, and chew. It's super, yeah. Well, you add blue chew, and you have the room for the blue chew, too. Um, for the ultimate lazy Sunday, their ace sweat shorts have modern tailoring and pair perfectly with their ultra soft, ultra upgraded Pima Tees. I have all that stuff. For weekend traveling both far and near, their silver knit polo and radius shorts are the perfect high-tech, highly packable combo. So here's what you do. Um, now that summer's over, it's still hot here, go to MacWeldon.com. Uh, look for their daily wear system. You're going to get 20% off the first order. Visit MacWeldon. Okay, now this is one of those different ones, Zuckerman. You know, we have, I didn't even know this until recently, but we have our own micro sites on a lot of these sponsor really? places. So, yeah, some are codes you put in if you buy it, but if you put in this address, we get money. Just go, no, just go check it out. It says Spikes Car Radio, Mac Weldon. It's kind of cool. Um, MacWeldon.com slash spike. Go to that site, MacWeldon.com slash spike. Use promo code spike for 20% off Mac Weldon. That's our last ad for the show. I have something for Bruce. You have a question? Go ahead, Zuckerman. I have. Well, you know what? I'm listening to you, and I'm listening how long you've been collecting cars. At some point, Ferriston and I want to have a Bruce Meyer car. We want you. <laughs> you want, we want you to pick a car, a little piece. I know that which you one. You want to get rid of, and and we're going to buy <laughs> that from face. you. We're gonna we're gonna relieve the you know because you probably have a lot of pressure all those cars like a tick. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting bigger and bigger. So we will take. <laughs> do you do you even do you ever sell cars? You know, because some guys don't, right? Like a I, Jay I'm Leno, a David Letterman, they do not. Okay, so I'm this year. Yes, um, my son was doing a project, and 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 so I was going to invest with him, and I thought, you know, rather than write a check, I'll, I'll sell some cars. So I picked four cars to sell. Uh and I wish I'd never sold them because, you know, we was, missed. It just, Wait, it well, how did you year. sell them privately or I, auction? Um, so I sold I had a, a GT350 65. Oh, I mean, the be, I think the, the year. best in the world. It was the one I'd owned it 35 years. That was, that's the year. And a friend of mine mentioned that he would like one. So I thought, good, I'm going to sell it. So I sold it go. to him. And, and, in fact, we're doing a rally in it in Pennsylvania at the end of this month. He says, you come in anytime you want to drive it. So I feel like that's in the family. Um, I had a 65 Porsche Cabriolet, uh, just a car that I'd had. And, and it was a car that – see, I, I – What color? Uh, it was slate gray with a red interior. It was God. beautiful. I, it was the finest 356 I'd ever seen in my life. Or two Bruce, for Bruce two. Bruce Canapa we sold it for 250 so that'll give you an idea. Ah, right, right. But, but – so I sold that. I sold. I had a new speedster, a new Porsche speedster, which you know I, I really wasn't driving all that much. And and went. Oh, then the car that, that I is the see Zuckerman right there. 
you know, not to digress, the GT3 Touring with a PDK is a car you're mm-hmm. going to drive more than a Speedster's great with manual transmission, but you will not drive it in the city as much. I, f- I have that same experience. Well, it's interesting because I'm now buying the GT3 Touring. And for me, it seems like the PDK is the, would be the, the, the perfect right. solution. But my son and the dealer, <clears throat> everybody says, get the stick. So- They're wrong. Look, let me tell you something right now. Here's your choice. Do you want a car that you can drive all the time and put a million miles on? Or do you want a car that everybody goes, oh, that's cool. And then you, you make a little money on the way out. That's your decision making. And, and myself and Zuckerman and Seinfeld are all PDKing right now. I'll tell you also, they're going to have however many other iterations of a GT3 Touring before this 992 was done. And what The if chances I, are you're not going to keep and, whatever your first GT3 992 is. And what if I told you that there could be something coming along from Porsche that has a manual transmission? That's pretty damn they, good. They, they keep telling you this is our last one, and then it keeps happening. No, no, no. There's some. There's something coming. Big. There's something big. There's something big, and there's something small. That's all I'm going to say. Are you aware of this? I'm aware. Yeah. What was I, the well, fourth car you sold? You, you gave us three cars. You didn't. You yeah. Said, what's the What's the, the last one? one? Was an Alpha. It's called a uh, uh, TZ. Alpha. Oh, we love. Oh, it. yeah. That Trunk, car's uh, beautiful. Uh, yeah. With the well, the, no, that the trunk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they made it. They made a uh, uh, an SZ, and they right. and those were like little jelly beans. Right. And, and then they made one that coated a trunk, which was stretched. Cuddle, yeah. But then they they had the TZ, which was Tubulari Zagato, which was a tube frame, completely different car, but it looked, you know, kind of a you know, looked not unlike a Coda Trunka, you know, the, mm-hmm. and I'd had the car for like three years and I, and I, I, I drove it to Malibu one time. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, if, if Malibu comes along and what do I want to drive out there? It probably wouldn't be that, you know? Right. And also most of my cars have a story attached and, and I like the story. You know, I like, it's not just another one of those. It's, this is the one that did that or was yep. owned by so-and-so. So all four of those cars, none of them had a story, so to speak. And, and, and so I thought, you know, they're all replaceable if I really need, need Yeah, them. yeah. No, I mean, that, you've got the experience of a lot of years here, and you're right. I, I, I think about, when you just say stories, I think about my watch collection, and I know exactly the watches that have meaning, and then they, there are these other ones that don't quite, right? And it does enrich the experience. Like you're saying, your 60th birthday, that watch, that car, that can be a very special drive for you. Anytime you want it, it's there for you, right? Exactly. Reflective and nice. And if you're telling people about a car, it's nice, you know, like yeah. the first one or that one won Le Mans. Right. This is the only one this way or that way, you know, so it makes it a little special. Stories, cars. All I right, like let's do a couple questions, a couple sure. more questions, yeah, then we yeah. got to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Uh, new, uh, this is Dr. Kyle Stanley wants to know, uh, new rough yellow bird versus old rough yellow bird. Well, do you I, have a I, preference? I, there's such a difference in the driving of those two cars. Um, first of all, you can still buy a, a new one, probably. Um, and the old ones are really hard to find now. The old ones are very primitive. Um, they're, they're like so fast. And, you know, I'm, it just depends. Like, if you're going to go touring in it, I would say a new one because they're so sophisticated. But the old one is just the one that 
walk the walk. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say if I were given a choice of the two, I would go with the old for sure because that there's the story. The there new one is. is a beautiful car. Do you? Uh, here's uh, Scott I nine. When will second generation Trans Ams be featured on the lawn at Pebble? <laughs> Do you think they ever will be? <laughs> well, you know, I I never I've also eliminated that from my vocabulary. <laughs> right. What's that? Never. Never. Okay. Um Mr. Horton 74 wants to know what what is something completely unexpected that you've learned about the automotive world as a result of uh the Peterson Auto Museum. So I guess in your years at the Peterson, what has been one of the most uh, biggest surprises or yeah, biggest remarkable surprise. finds or well that's a really good question i'd probably have to give that some thought you know but i one thing being so intimately involved with the peterson i i've just learned to understand the, the passion that people have and it's about the people you could be the last man on earth with a GTO, and if you don't have a place to show it or share it, it just is meaningless, you know. So I think, I think how much joy it's brought me and other people that have displayed cars there and shared cars. So the, the, the whole car thing is all about the people. And just being here with you two guys, I mean, both of you are such great characters. <laughs> I mean, really, it, it's it's a treat. I mean, you could turn this mic off, and we could probably sit here for another five hours, and there could be not even a car in the room, you know. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's, it just comes down to the people. I just love people. I always have. my all, Every business I've been in, except setting bowling pins, <laughs> has, has been, you know, cultivating customers and friendships. Candlestick Bruce. <laughs> What's that? You made little candles. Was it little candlesticks? They had those, that bowling or nine pin? Like, I was also oh the one God. cup handler of the two girls in one cup. <laughs> what? <laughs> Bruce, you did that the too? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Bruce, we love you, man. You are uh, living Southern California car history from the uh, from the gilded uh, stages the of Pebble days. Beach to the corners of uh, newspaper selling <laughs> mozzarella pizza. Um, my candle and, shop. Don't forget my candle shop. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't even get to any of the Gary's Rolex stuff, but we'll, we'll, you got to come back again. Yeah, put me down. We'll, uh, we'll have you back. Anyways, uh, that's our show. Zuckerman, you got anything to say no, before we go? No, just stay safe. Thank you to our sponsors, Blue Chew, Mac Weldon, and, of course, CollectingCars.com. Buys the show every week. We love you guys too. We'll see you next week on Spikes Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio, brought to you by Hangar 56. Listen to new episodes every Wednesday and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.